1: Ah, They're playing our song. Back to work. Your birds 365 guys, the Mac and Mac duo of John McMullen and Jody McDonald. What do you do on your bye weekend, McMullen?
2: Um, Too much Christmas stuff. Trying to get the uh, house ready for Christmas. So uh, that became more stressful than uh, working. Uh, hanging up decorations
1: happens. is that what you did put the re- decorations all over that well
2: we're a big inside ha- you know we're like a christmas museum inside so that's hard enough alone i don't go overboard outside i don't go you know uh chevy chase uh vacation level right. uh just normal stuff but the inside believe it or not is the bigger problem
1: gotcha i'm uh Uh, similar here in the mcdonald's house so we got the tree up we got some lights on but we haven't gone full board decorations which is late now we are 12 days out usually yeah uh, i I didn't even realize
2: i gotta yeah yeah
1: sneaking up on us you got 12 or 13 days left to shopping for christmas so i get to it but as i said on my cbs show over the weekend here's the beauty of it they bring it to your house now you can buy everything online. and Amazon I know, but you got to do try. it.
2: I got it. As a matter of fact, it's good you said that because I have to do it as soon as this show is over. I have to sit down. And this is depressing, by the way, Jody. I have to <laughs> sit down at the computer and shop because I don't want to go out and shop. Right. And I want it delivered to my home. But if I wait too much longer, it's not going to be here in time. So I got to get on that.
1: And I told you a story the other day about uh, seeing as I was getting my second cup of coffee, prepping for Birds 365. There's someone on my front porch at 7:20 in the morning, <laughs> and I said, "What the hell is that?" I'm waiting for a knock or a ringing of the bell, and I hope there's no ringing of the bell because the wife's still asleep. And sure enough, the guy walks off the porch. I go outside. There's an Amazon package waiting there <laughs> that they're delivering at 7:15 in yeah. the morning. But, hey, if it makes uh, my wife's life easier, which makes my wife e- my life easier, I'm in. Count me in for all of it. Uh, but I'm glad you got some work done over the weekend. I'm sure you wrote, too, because you're writing uh, every single day. And I'm sure you wrote. Yeah, I wrote about something.
2: Micah Parsons. That seems to be. Eagles fans always have to have something. And I have to jump on, well, Micah Parsons, you know, who's having a phenomenal year. I mean, he might be the defensive player of the year. Forget about rookie
3: defensive right. player of the year.
2: And obviously, they could have had him. Um, not, but I argue they couldn't have had him, really. Because if you think about, obviously, if they stayed at six, yes, they could have had him. Um, and that's where they originally were in the draft. Then you had the the, the the knockdown to 12 and the move up to 10. And Dallas was sitting there at 10. And they traded down. The Giants were 11. So I think it's ironic because of that. 10, 11, 12. Where we started, I believe, on April 29th of this year was 10 Dallas, 11 New York Giants, 12 Philadelphia Eagles. So three division rivals. What did they do in the maneuverings and the machinations? And it's going to resonate in those particular cities for years. And right now, Dallas is in the lead. So it becomes a mini sort of very mini controversy because. You and I know, Jody, they're not taking our all-ball linebacker. No matter what, they haven't taken one since 19 79. And then people say, well, he's a great edge rusher, which he is. But they didn't see him as an edge rusher. And guess what? Either did the Dallas Cowboys. They did it out of necessity because Randy Gregory was out at the time. Demarcus Lawrence was healthy, uh, was uh, injured. Um, and they had to have somebody. And they said, let's try Parsons. He's so athletic. And he's unbelievable at it. They were never going to take Michael Parsons. Never You're, in a million you
1: are You are probably right. And uh, I absolutely love the kid as far as his talent goes. I remember we had, right at the beginning of Bird 65, when we started the show back in April, was leading into the NFL draft. We had a couple of good draft guys on, including my guy, Rick Saratella. And there were some concerns about Michael Parsons. Oh, yeah. That he was short arms. Uh, and well, uh, part of it was uh, yes, his measurables, but part of it was that he's not the most coachable player in the world, and he was yeah, one of off the field stuff. Yeah, he was one of those guys who opted out, and some people saw that as an issue. Not only getting up to speed year one, but uh, some people actually held it against. Uh, players who decided to do that i couldn't subscribe to that theory and i didn't quite get it somebody's just protecting their status as an nfl draft player if you sat out and you were a guy who was projected going into your last year of college as a fifth round pick a sixth round pick a seventh yeah really you're gonna go without you're gonna roll the dice when you were a lock first-round pick like uh, Jamar Chase or Micah Parsons, you want to uh, take the year off? You want to protect yourself? You're investing in yourself? I had no issue with that. Some people I know, talent evaluators, media guys, did. that. They question that. Yeah, I think he's put all those concerns in the rearview mirror because he is, to quote my friend John McMullen, a game wrecker. There are a handful of them in the National Football League, 2025. That's about it. And he's one of it 13 games into his NFL career. He's already become a game wrecker. So give the uh, young man credit for what he's accomplishing. Along those lines, let's say we get to week 18 and the Eagles have to win to make the playoffs. And the Cowboys are still uh, within uh, the possibility of getting the number one overall seed in the East uh, in the NFL. Probably not. I don't think they're going to be able to catch both the Cardinals and the Bucs and the (laughs) Packers. One of those teams is going to uh, win the next three games, which means, well, but the Cowboys are only one behind a couple of them. Let's say for argument's sake, they're still in the mix. They can, they need help, but they can win the number one seed. So they come to Philadelphia and they're playing to win the game. Michael Parsons has three sacks, a turnover, uh, either a forced fumble or a picked off pass or whatever else what will it take for the Philadelphia Eagles to rethink their position that linebacker? Yeah. We're not going to put any uh, effort into getting a tough light one, a game wrecker like Jody McDonald and John McMullen say, is there anything that could move the Eagles off the stance they've had for decades?
2: Um, I I, I think the player has to make you look at certain things like, uh, you know, and I'm writing about this for Philly Voice this morning, so it'll come out. You'll be able to read. it. You know, I'm going to toot my own horn, which I know people love when I do that. Go but I, when I was looking at Micah Parsons in the draft process, I said, this kid looks to me like an edge rusher. He doesn't look like an off-ball linebacker. He looks like an edge rusher to me. Now, it turns out he's both, but I got killed for that, Jody. I got murdered for that, and everybody pointed to his arm length which is 31 and a half. I'm looking up. You know, I use Josh Sweat as an example because I always joke, only because we're in Philadelphia, obviously there's better examples as far as production as a pass rusher. But I always joke, when you talk to NFL people and you said, go make me, go get me an edge rusher in the lab. Go go make one in a lab. And you talk about, well, he's got to be 6'5", and he's got to have these long arms, and he's got to be two-sixty. Somewhere in that range, he's got to have all this athleticism. So that's why I, I look at Josh Wett. So I just looked him up 34 and 58 is his arm length. That's what you look for when you're talking about an edge rusher. Now, see, here's the problem all where right, I so say, hold
1: on. Let, let me interrupt. I'll let you get back to your boy. What's the difference between Josh Wett and uh, Michael Josh Wett,
2: 34 and 58 uh, inches arm length. Uh, Micah Parsons, 31 and a half. And that's okay, so why people. We're talking
1: three and one eighth inch difference. Yeah. And that's
2: a big that's difference. That's
1: the difference. That, that's, that's a the huge difference, difference, between, difference though. Uh, taking a player and not taking a player. Because... That is
2: a huge difference when you're talking about historic production of edge rushers. And that's what they do, right? They look at the years of the draft and they look at the measurables of the successful players. Guys with 31-and-a-half-inch arms aren't supposed to be good edge rushers. They're not supposed to be. It's just like good quarterbacks aren't supposed to be under six feet tall. But every once in a while, every once in a while, good wide receivers aren't supposed to be 166 pounds. But every once in a while, somebody comes along and breaks the mold, and you got to look at the film and say, you know what? I don't give a you know what. This kid can play. I think that part of it, the Eagles maybe, because they do it at quarterback, you know, they love Russell Wilson. Uh, we talked about that for years, a little bit overblown, they like to say, because they could have drafted him in the second round. You didn't have to wait for the third round, could have drafted him in the first round. But here's what I say about Michael Parsons. If they considered him an edge rusher, they would have taken him at six. Never mind 10 or 12. They never had an opportunity at 10, though. Because, look, both the Cowboys and the Eagles, their first choice was cornerback. And when I say first choice, understand I got to be very detailed about these types of things. Everybody understands nobody had a chance at Trevor Lawrence, who was number one on everybody's board, despite what's going on in Jacksonville. What a mess there. Uh, The Eagles also really like Zach Wilson, but they knew there was a firewall so that they could never get from six to get him. So from that process, it was, okay. we like four players. They like Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, the two corners, and they like the two receivers, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. And they said, we'll take an extra first round pick to drop back to 12 because we think we'll get one of those four players. And we'd be happy with any of those four players. Ultimately, they would have probably liked to have one of the corners first. I think Sertan over Horn, but who knows? Carolina and Denver screwed that up for everybody. Dallas also wanted one of those corners first. And they sat there at number 10, and their consolation prize was Micah Parsons. And they sat and looked at the board, and you got to give the Cowboys credit, they said, well, the Giants want a receiver. They're not taking Micah Parsons. The Eagles are coming up, and we've been assured they're taking an offensive player. They're not taking Micah Parsons. So we can drop down two spots, get an extra third-round pick, save a little money, which never matters to Jerry Jones as he brings his own benches to the uh, FedEx field. So that part of it doesn't matter. And say we can still get the player we want at 12, and they make the deal. Now, the one thing that could have put the fly in the ointment is the Giants were so despondent about not getting Devontae Smith, they traded out. So if that team coming up wanted Micah Parsons, the Cowboys would have had egg on their face a little bit. But that was a calculated gamble, worked out for them. And now they have the defensive rookie of the year, maybe the defensive player of the year. But, you know, the thought process of the Eagles should have done this, the Eagles should have done that. They weren't looking at that particular player. So at the end of the day, you know, and they're not the only ones who looked at Micah Parsons and said, this kid can't rush the pass or can't be an edge rusher. He's got to be a linebacker. And they don't value that position at that point of the draft, bottom line.
1: Understood. Well, my point is, I have no problem with the way that Howie Rosen played the draft day game on this past draft day. You're right, the Cowboys played it to perfection. They could have got stiffed if the Giants had uh, traded out for something, a team jumping up to uh, make a play for a guy like Parsons. But at the board at that time, there were still two highly thought of quarterbacks, Justin Fields and um you get more England. for per quarterback trade.
2: So you know exactly. the team to go up to get Fields which ended up being Chicago is going to offer more than a team coming up to get a linebacker. So the the Cowboys also needed that and that's why it was such a, a smart decision which people hate to say with Jerry Jones, but it was Correct. a good decision. And it was so, more Stephen uh, Jones anyways. No so issues with
1: the way, way the Eagles did it. Or the Cowboys, or shoot, even the Giants did it because, yeah, right now they look like they got the very short end of the bargain with Kadarius Toney, but they do have a future first-round draft pick, which belongs to the Bears, who, oh, by the way, got beat again last night, so that's a better draft pick right now than any of the three the Philadelphia Eagles have, uh, because remember, the Eagles will have their own. They have Miami's, they have uh, the Colts, right? That giant pick that they obtained will be in front of the Eagles Three picks this year, so even though it looks like the Giants got the short end of the stick now, by the time next year's draft, this upcoming year, well, next year, because we're still in 2021, the 2022 draft rolls around, uh, the Giants could actually reap the benefits. Here's the only thing I'm asking, John, and I think you did a good job of avoiding my question. If you answered it already, uh, I've already forgotten what you said. Shame (laughs) on me. It's not the first. What will it take for the Eagles to acknowledge that, you know, if you get a game-wrecking linebacker, it can be very helpful to your football team, even though they haven't thought along those lines in 40 years.
2: Well, they have done it at other positions. And as I pointed out, to be fair, wide receiver is one of those positions. Typically, they're not taking a wide receiver at number 10 in the draft. I mean, they haven't done that in years and years and years and years. So they have proven uh, that they are willing to look at a player over uh, positional value, measurables, things like that with Devontae Smith. Happens to be in the same year. Um you know, same thing. They didn't get him, but they would have drafted. I tell them were, they were going to draft. They wanted to draft Kirsten and McCaffrey. Now, could you imagine the Eagles taking a running back in the top 10? That's how much they liked that particular player. Um, obviously, they weren't able. Uh, he didn't fall to them. They weren't able. They were 14 that year, and he went, I think, eight. So it wasn't that close. Um, and they weren't able to do it. Uh, so they have shown a willingness to, to look at, at certain players uh, at, at these less valued positions and say, okay, this kid's so good. Now, Devontae Smith, that is also partially fueled by past failures. People have brought this up, and it's fair. You know, if J.J. Ortega Whiteside turned into a good player, if Jalen Rager turned into a first-round pick, they're not taking Devontae Smith True. last year. And then you throw a curveball, but I say they're still not taking Micah Parsons. They would have, again, traded up to get one of the corners if they felt that was the way to go, or they would have traded down, probably to take a, a Quiddy Page, turned out to be a pretty good player, or an offensive lineman. Your guy Elijah Barrett Tucker is going to be a pretty good player. Um, they weren't. They weren't going to take the kid, and and maybe. <clears throat> Maybe they look at him and they say, we got to open our minds. Russell Wilson, Devontae Smith, Christian McCaffrey. There are, are certain talents that should override the other stuff. F.U. players, as I right. like to call them. Uh,
1: we don't want to say F.U. to our first guests and push them back, but I do want to get your take on the Washington football team uh, Dallas game from yesterday, and our first guest is going to be Jimmy Kemski for Philly Voice uh, Eagle Beat Guy's going to join us in, in five minutes or so. Um, what is your biggest take? And I'm sure you watched it. Uh, the Washington football team against the Cowboys yesterday. A lot of talk ahead of time, including you on Birds 365. You actually have to root for the Cowboys. I was okay with just sitting back and watching the game and see where the chips fall, where they may. If the Cowboys lose, you still have dreams about winning the division. If the Cowboys win, all right, the red, the Washington football team's coming back to us. I didn't think there was rooting necessary. You just watch and then you react thereafter. What is John McMullen's biggest reaction after the Cowboys beat the Washington football
3: team? I
2: can't believe they let him back in the game. They destroyed them. That was the theme of this whole starting on Thursday night. You see all these teams, you know, Minnesota's destroying Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh comes back. Dallas is destroying Washington. Tampa Bay's destroying Buffalo. There was another game. San Francisco was up two scores on Cincinnati. Um, they all let these teams back in the football game. And ultimately, it's like it's like winning an NBA game by 30 points. You give up the big run, but uh, they, get, they, they spent too much energy, and you end up winning the game. That's kind of what happened. The Cowboys dominated. And they did so many. They put the Washington football team on a T for the Eagles. They hurt the quarterback. They hurt the best receiver. We got to see what, if Terry McLaurin could make it through concussion protocol. Taylor Honeke's having an MRI. Man, they put the Washington football team on a T. And by the way, the Cowboys have three game records on defense now. And four, if you want to add Trayvon Diggs, Randy Gregory, for people who haven't noticed, finally, after 100 years and 150 suspensions, is a monster. And Demarcus Lawrence is back. This is Birds 365. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for this. When the Cowboys are healthy, they might be the best team in the NFC. You were talking yeah, about – Yeah, I
1: had the Cowboy offense play yesterday.
2: Well, Dak, that was an awful interception. He let him. He okay, let him in the so game. You're the
1: best team in the conference. You got to be able. To well, play they did not the Pollard
2: ball. again. You got to be healthy. You can't be giving the ball to Corey Clement a hundred times because Ezekiel Elliott's banged up and playing. And Tony Pollard's not playing. I put healthy in there. I said when
1: healthy, and they haven't been healthy. They're a good football team. Good football team, not the best team in the NFC. Tampa's better. Green Bay's better. And Tampa, we'll see Arizona tonight. I think Arizona. Tampa gave up the big lead, too, Joey. Yeah, Tampa gave up the big lead to Buffalo. The Cowboys gave up the big lead to the Washington football team. Uh, a little bit little bit of a difference there, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Cowboys looked great yesterday defensively. They looked pretty poor offensively. Uh, kind of a, a flip-the-script type thing. The Cowboys' defense was the thing that looked that the thing that could have kept them from advancing deep in the playoffs. And the offense had all the weapons that you could ask for. Right now, it's the exact opposite. The defense is playing much better, and the offense has got some serious questions attached to it. But that's not till Week 18 when the Cowboys uh, come to Philadelphia to take on Eagles. You're right about the Washington football team, though. And this, uh, I've been giving Taylor Heineke credit these last couple of weeks because he's played really well. He's above a game manager. He's not a franchise quarterback, but he's above a game manager. You know what I saw yesterday? A guy who can't come from behind.
0: And I know the the
1: Washington football team got it to a one-score game, but it was as much as uh, the defense and um, Dak Prescott throwing bad interceptions that got them back in again. It wasn't really the strength of Taylor Heineke, and then he got hurt and he was out of the game. Anyway, he's not a guy. If you get ahead on the Washington football team, Taylor Heineke's not going to come from behind and beat you. So that's one of the things we'll be talking about all week long as we lead up to Eagles and Washington – First game back from the bye. We'll talk that much more about the bye week. And we'll do so with our buddy, Jimmy Kempsey, scheduled to join us from Philly Voice. Hopefully he's next here on Birds 365.
4: at stateside vodka every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free what's that uh a rocks glass you're telling me that bottle is cut in half you could say that holy shit. glass
5: Glasses for cocktails right it's for this this
4: this and that disappears.
6: Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Gabriel,
1: free. One,
6: two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
7: When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Billy the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
3: Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the wins. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
1: we got buddy from Philly Boy. hopefully he joins us coming up shortly. Uh, in the meantime, Jay Mack and I will continue to evaluate... What went down yesterday in the National Football League because even though none of it had anything to do directly with the Philadelphia Eagles as they were on their bye week, um, yes, uh, the Washington football team against the Cowboys certainly had an effect on the way the uh, Eagles come into these final four games of the regular season. We already knew that the Vikings had won, um, but now we know where the Eagles sit. They're just outside the playoffs looking in, but they still control their own destiny. All I got to do is win four games in a row. And Jimmy Kemsky, our buddy from Philly Boys, joins us. That's all Eagles are going to do, right, Jimmy? Win four games in a row. No big deal.
3: <laughs> no big deal at all. And they did it in, uh, what was it, 2019 when they had the four divisional games left on their schedule? So 2019. Was that, the, uh,
2: was that the field goal year? What? Yeah, that was 2019. 2019, yeah. 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 So they've done it before. No big deal. And they did it uh, week uh, 17 at the time, Jimmy. I guess we were at FedEx Field. And that's, uh, uh, you know, the team that the Eagles probably have to handle. And I think if one of those two teams can sweep the other, they're probably going to get that seven spot because of, of, of things that are shaken out uh, around the NFL. And boy, I gotta tell you, the Dallas Cowboys put the Washington football team on a team for the Eagles. They hurt the quarterback, <laughs> they hurt the top playmaker. What else can the Eagles need?
3: Yeah, a couple offensive linemen too. Uh I uh forget who they were. I think it was Charles Leno, maybe. Yeah, Charles uh, Leno. Yeah. And yeah. uh one of their one of their interior guys. So yeah, I mean they 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 hurt four of their Other starters. Uh, It looks like Heineke's going to play. That those are the early reports. Wow, that could be good though. That right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Kyle Allen actually looked okay in that game, Uh, but McLaurin. I mean, the difference between him and the rest of the receivers on that team. I mean, it's night and day. Like he's he's the guy that you have to stop in that passing game, and uh, and he's hurt the Eagles in the past, obviously too. Um, But yeah, if if they don't have to dedicate Darius Slay to him for the entirety of that game, and, and they can use him wherever else. And uh, that's, that's that's a big point checkmark in, in the Eagles' favor in this matchup coming up. Jimmy, just
1: before you join us, John and I were talking about uh, the Cowboys and how good they looked yesterday defensively and getting some guys back from injury uh, that can get to the quarterback so they don't have to just ask a linebacker like Michael Parsons to do all the heavy lifting as far as pass rush goes. Their defense was really good yesterday, but their offense kind of disappeared. Dak Prescott looks nothing like a franchise quarterback the last couple of weeks could start to the season, but it's come back to the pack. Uh, we know that they've got to handle their own business with Washington two of the next three weeks, but then they're probably going to have to win that final game of the season. If the Cowboys are playing for uh, playoff positioning in that last week, how good are the Cowboys compared to the other teams in the NFC? John and I disagree on this a little bit. How do you rank them
3: in the NFC right now? So, you look at the, I think there's five teams that are, you know, way better than the rest of the NFC. And of course, those are the four divisional leaders and the Buccaneers, Packers, uh, uh, Cardinals, and Cowboys. And, and the Rams are kind of in that mix too, um, you know, being the top wildcard team. As far as where they rank among those five teams, uh, it's hard to bet against, you know, the, the, the big stud quarterbacks in, you know, Aaron yeah. Rodgers. And uh, and Tom Brady, of course, I put those two teams ahead of them based on the way their quarterbacks are playing and just who they are as players. Um, the Cardinals obviously have the 10 and 2 record, they're the top team in the NFC record-wise. They're going to have that one seed more than likely, which is just a major advantage, especially now that the NFL added a seventh team, there's only one first-round bye. So I kind of put them ahead of them in the hierarchy. I'd have them fourth, I guess, among the uh, the NFC teams. I think obviously they have. Little bit of an edge over the rams the rams are you know not leading their division so i kind of have them fourth uh but the point that you make about you know their offense and their defense it's weird because the way this season even you know, heading into the season it looked like their offense was like you know going to be like a top five kind of unit and look at like their defense gonna be really bad especially with a lot of the injuries that they suffered with you know demarcus lawrence for example uh going out for a long stretch but now they got him back they got randy gregory back they got parsons back like those three guys are like really difficult to, to match yeah. up with in the passing game. So, and then of course, Trayvon Diggs is, you know, sort of in the conversation for like defensive player of the year with the way that he's played leads league and in interceptions made a bunch of big plays all throughout the year. Their defense is like legitimately very good all of a sudden. So yeah, sort of a tough team to to kind of get a handle on if they can put it all together. Like if their offense starts playing up to the capabilities that, that they're, you know, that they're up to the, you know, the ability that they're, that they're capable of. I mean, they're they are big time. I mean, they are big trouble uh, for, for other teams in the playoffs uh, as, as we kind of get into January here, but um, yeah, it's, it's obviously a very, very talented roster. Uh, but I, uh, you know, as you mentioned sort of the flip-flop of what we expect, expected offense not playing as well as, as expected defense playing yeah. way over their heads.
2: Yeah. And that was kind of my point, Jimmy, they're so talented on paper. When everybody's mm-hmm. healthy. Now, everybody hasn't been healthy. Even yesterday, we talked about their offense. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is playing, but he's banged up. So they're giving the football to Corey Clement 15 times. Uh, <laughs> right. Tony, yeah, Tony Pollard's not able to play. CD Lamb has been out at times. Amari Cooper with COVID.
3: Michael um, Gallup was out
2: for a long time. The our offensive line was banged up. If they can get everybody together, Randy Gregory might be suspended as we speak. Who knows? But that guy (laughs) has finally turned into a monster. He's an unbelievable player. And as you mentioned, Marcus Lawrence is back. They're probably not going to have the the defensive player of the year because Parsons and Diggs are going
3: to split votes and Miles (laughs) Garrett's going to win it. That is a talented football team. Am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, especially as you say, like on paper, like they are—they are very, very scary. If they get everyone back and healthy and playing the way that they're capable of playing, I mean, they're going to be hard to beat. Um, it'll be a tough road for them throughout the playoffs because they're going to have to win three games to get the Super Bowl, of course, because uh, they're almost certainly not going to get the one seed. Um, I think, for for the Eagles' perspective, by the way, you know, you see them sitting there at what nine and four. Uh, The Packers and the Buccaneers, you know, each have a game up on them. Cardinals have, uh, depending on what happens in in their game tonight on Monday Night Football, could be up two games on them. The Eagles really need them to lose one more game and for those other teams to kind of pull away from them a little bit so that that Week 18 game is meaningless (laughs) if they're locked into that four seed. And uh, obviously, that'll help the Eagles' chances uh, of making the playoffs as a wild card, uh, you know, substantially
1: higher. And, oh, by the way, uh, for those who haven't checked the schedule lately, the Cowboys don't like the other teams in the division finish with just divisional games. They've got a game left against the Cardinals, which will – if the Cardinals want to be the number one seed, go ahead and beat Dallas and prove that you're better than uh, the Cowboys. Uh, Put them in your rearview mirror. That comes up in a couple weeks. All right, Jimmy, we talked a lot about the opposition for the Eagles. How about the Eagles themselves? On the bye week, not coming back till the middle of the week to practice – we're all crossing our fingers and hoping that the Eagles are getting healthier with this downtime, but we won't know anything until they show back up on their quarterback, on their running backs. Remember, they kind of ended that jet game. Miles Sanders on the sidelines. Of course, Howard not dressed. Scott didn't play much until it was absolutely necessary after Sanders Sanders went down. How are you feeling about the Eagles' health right now?
3: Yeah, I mean, the big one for me is Jason Kelsey, too, because – they said after that game that they got positive news back on him, but they stopped short of saying he's going to play week 15. So I think when we, you know, when we see these guys uh, practice on Wednesday and we get the initial uh, practice request, that's the guy, the practice report, that's the guy that I'm looking at in terms of, you know, where, where is he? Because so I think Jalen Hurts is going to be back. Like there's, I think, legitimate question whether he could play or not uh, week 13 against the Jets. Uh, he certainly thought he could play. Uh, you give him two more weeks, I fully expect him to be back. But, man, if Jason Kelsey's out, I think we saw what it looks like when Nate Herbig is your center. Yeah. I don't know if they adjust and they, and they put Dickerson inside. I can't imagine they do that at this point in the season. But he is the, you know, biggest injury concern I would have if I'm an Eagles fan looking up at this. And, and you look at like this. Uh, Washington defensive line is extremely talented and can take advantage of a guy like like Herbig if he has to start. So uh, that's, that's the big one for me is, you know, where's Jason Kelsey at with his knee?
2: Uh, Jimmy, speaking of the offensive line and Wednesday, what are we going to hear when we show up about Brandon Brooks? What What is <laughs> going on there? <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, it's weird uh, that they just basically said, yeah, we're not going to talk about him until, <laughs> no, until after, after the bye, the bye week. Week. Which is weird. Um, and, it's like a kid. They want to push it off. I'll, we, I'll talk about it later. Because <laughs> he was injured week two against the 49ers. And then Lane Johnson sort of volunteered that that was an eight-week injury. Yeah. So, you know, you, you do the math. He's expected to be back based on Lane Johnson. Again, who's not a doctor and, and not Brandon Brooks' doctor, but is Brandon Brooks' friend. He should have been back week 10 based upon what Lane Johnson told us. And we're heading into week 15 now, and they could really use him, by the way, too, because, yeah. you know, they, they, they obviously lost Isaac Sayamalo for the season. Uh, you know, now they're down Jack Driscoll as well. So, I mean, they could definitely use his his uh, use him at right guard with, you know, Nate Herbig sliding back into the bench and can come off the bench and and play guard if, if need be. If another guy goes down. So uh, he would be a big boost. If they could get him back, and it's very weird that they just said we're not talking about him until <laughs> after the bye week. So yeah, it will be interesting to see you know what this big reveal is when we talk to them again on Wednesday. And Jimmy,
2: it's it's weird from the fact that Nick has been pretty honest, pretty above board yes. about
3: most injuries
2: as compared to Doug. And sure, you know everything was week to week. At day, you know he's been concrete. And Brandon Brooks is like, Yeah, we'll talk about it. I have no new information. Evidently, they don't talk about Brandon Brooks at all.
3: (laughs) First rule about Brandon Brooks, don't talk about Brandon (laughs) (laughs) Brooks. That's exactly where I was going.
1: Uh, Jimmy, I got to ask you about one of your recent columns, um, because I know you and I are kind of on the same page here. Uh, J-Mac, not so much. Um, Your surprises, your uh, upbeat surprises, both negative and positive. Your upbeats, Jordan Howard couldn't agree more off the practice uh, heap. And all of a sudden, he's winning games for the Eagles. Vontae Maddox. Love the fact that they signed him to a contract extension. He's been great in the slot. Darius Slay, I liked it because the expectations are high. But he's been even higher than the expectations. He's been a game wrecker, to use a McMullen phrase, which I love. Um, And uh, Jake Elliott has had a phenomenal year kicking for the Eagles. Andre Dillard, did you really go there? (laughs) Because I know you're not a Dillard guy. I'm not a Dillard guy. J Mack is. You, your capital is he didn't suck in the four <laughs> games that he in this year. He did not you, suck. You could go to right. TJ Edwards instead of Andre Dillard. Come on, Kempski.
3: <laughs> well, see, I expected TJ. TJ, I've I've always been a big TJ Edwards guy. Like I, I thought he was already the best linebacker on the team. So it wasn't surprising to me that he ultimately ended up being that. Uh, this season. they tried to move him this this off By the way, yeah, I think he yeah. fit fit this uh, this defense and. Oops <laughs> actually like dodged a bullet there that they didn't trade him for, for something like a fifth or sixth round pick or whatever, you know, they would have gotten for him. But yeah, the, the point on Diller is I had zero expectations <laughs> for that guy this season. Like I thought if he had to play, it was gonna be a disaster. And he held his own. Uh he did get some favorable matchups, uh, which you know is noteworthy. But I, I but in the four games that he played, like he actually was legitimately uh decent. And I think If they were to move him this offseason, he helped uh you know the Eagles potentially get a little bit more for him than they would have otherwise.
2: Yeah, and they're gonna get something for him of value. I think you see how how many teams struggle with the offensive line. Andre proved enough to where somebody will take a chance on him.
3: They got a pick for Matt Pryor.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh and you see some of the offensive lines in this league, and it is tough. And that's really the strength of the Eagles. But we know Eagles fans, Jimmy, and I got to go full cir- circle back to Micah Parsons because it's a bye week. They have nothing to do. if They have to come up with something, and obviously, we know what happened on draft day. Dallas started at 10. Giants were at uh, 11. Eagles were at 12. Obviously, the Eagles originally started at 6, so they could have had anybody who yeah. they wanted. Uh, but ultimately people are looking at it. The Eagles are very happy with Devonte Smith. They should be but people are starting to say should they have looked at Micah Parsons <laughs> they would never look at Micah Parsons. He was never in this equation for the Eagles All ball linebacker. come on. I like it, 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 they weren't looking at Micah Parsons
3: where yeah, they, they, they would have been using him wrongly too. <laughs> like yeah oh no doubt. he'd be playing that Sam position yeah. and total I mean, he'd be effective in there. Uh, obviously, he's a he's a playmaker, but I mean, he, they wouldn't be using him the same way that that Dallas has. Be right Avery with him a couple
2: him. extra snaps.
3: <laughs> it's actually a testament to how likable uh, Devonte Smith is that more people aren't quibbling about them taking him over Michael Parsons, who, as you mentioned, is you know probably going to split votes with Trayvon Diggs on you know NFL Defensive Defense Player of the Year, and it's going to go to Miles Garrett instead. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think their pick of of Devontae Smith was, was good. Uh, I thought actually how he's draft maneuvering going from six to 12, picking up that extra first round pick from Miami next year, and then, you know, moving back up to 10 and and getting Devontae Smith. By the way, where the Eagles' offense be, not that Devontae Smith has like absolutely crushed it. Like he's been, he's been 50 catches, I think, for seven, oh, something yards, four touchdowns. I think he's fourth in the NFL. Among uh, rookies, and the three guys ahead of him are the guys that got picked before him, Kyle Pitts, uh, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddell. Uh, and then there's a big gap between him and the fifth guy. Uh, so, I mean, he's lived up to expectations. But, you know, like, you look at the Eagles offense, if he's not there, it's Dallas Goddard. And then what? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so so I think that's uh, sort of a big reason that we haven't heard more complaining that, that they passed on Michael Parsons to draft uh, Devontae Smith.
1: All right, Jimmy, along those lines, four games to play, and the Eagles are still trotting Jalen Raker out there for 85% of their snaps. (laughs) Uh, And the guy is not only not living up to his first-round draft status, he's hurting them with dropped balls and uh, just not being able to finish plays. And, like, I understand that those behind him on the bench, the Eagles don't show much confidence in at all, is there anything they can do? I know the trade deadline is come and gone, so it's all just practice squad and yeah. finding someone uh, hiding on a beat somewhere. But uh, are we going to be listening to this all offseason? How did Jalen Rager continue to play throughout the season for the Philadelphia Eagles?
3: It's been odd how much he's played. He has, He's barely even lost snaps but with the way that he's played. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been legitimate arguments for him just to be benched outright. I mean, Doug Peterson even, you know, was asked about, that. I think John Clark did a, uh, did a, did a podcast with, with Doug and was asked, you know, uh, because Doug had a similar situation with Nelson Aguilar where they sat him down for a few weeks and, and, and he came back and um, you know, clear head, whatever. I don't know. So I, I figured they, they might try something like that with Rager and they didn't, and not only didn't, but they didn't, they didn't even decrease his snaps. He had the most snaps among the wide receivers against the Jets which just is mind blowing that uh, he hasn't sort of been demoted in, in in any way whatsoever. He's not only killed him on on in the regular offense. He's also made big mistakes on special teams, like that in the Jets game. Ball bounces at the you know one or two yard line or whatever it was because yeah. he thought it was going to land in the end zone for a touchback. Gets tackled at the six yard line, I think it was. Uh, they wind up scoring a touchdown on that possession anyway. So I guess it didn't hurt him. Uh, he avoided uh, heavy. Severe criticism on that one after that game. But, yeah, he's, he's been a mess, uh, clearly. I mean, that's not even really uh, analysis at this point. Anyone anyone who knows, like, anyone, a non-football fan could, could watch the Eagles games and, and, and sort of realize that. Uh, so, yeah, and, and as you mentioned, there isn't much behind him. If you take him out, you're <clears> putting <throat> Greg Ward in there, which, in my opinion, at least that guy can make short catches, move the chains for you a little bit. J.K. Ortega-Whiteside at least gives you some blocking ability. I think he he has, you know, proven that he should lose some snaps at least uh, to those guys, even if those guys aren't really threatening at all to opposing defenses. That's how bad Jalen Riker's been.
2: Yeah, it has been. And he did get benched as kick returner, Jimmy. They did go to Boston Scott. So um, I'm going to defend the coaching staff uh, for this one, rarely. Uh, Obviously against the Jets, they got the lead. Uh, and they want to that mode of let's run the football in the second half. So they had a lot of 12 personnel, 13. uh, Yep, tip of the cap to our buddy Paul Domowitz, uh, our 12 personnel guy. But, (laughs) um, you know, if you're going to have a receiver only on the field to block, I don't want to, I don't want Devontae Smith to get hurt. I don't even want Quest Watkins to get hurt. Put him out there as a crash test dummy. Yeah, that's fair. I, I thought it was uh, a smart thing to do in that instance. If they were
3: losing and needed to throw the ball, he wouldn't have been in the game. So that's fair. Yeah, from that at least he gives you he, at least he gives you something uh, to think about defensively because he does. Yeah, and he can't. Theory have speed, yeah. and you have to yeah. protect against that. So yeah, yeah I, I I can understand that.
2: So, but it it brings up a point, and this is where I want to go with you. They did have a bye week, so they do have the self scout, Blah blah blah. Do you expect any surprises, any changes when they come out of the spot? Anything,
3: maybe an inkling? Yeah, I had not really given that much thought. I probably should have, but I think they're going to go with the formula that has worked because, you know, at this point in the season, you know, they're not like, I think like the future is on hold, I guess, for for, for the next four weeks. And you just go out and you do whatever you can to to win these games as opposed to uh, evaluate players. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be sort of that that run heavy um, formula that we've seen over the last half dozen games. Um, I think at this point they probably have made up their mind one way or the other on whether they think Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback in 2022 and beyond. Um, Or I guess the minds can be changed, I guess. But I I think they have a a pretty strong inkling of the way that they're going to go on that. Um, So, yeah, I I think we're going to see that run heavy offense again. And, um, you know, you look at their opponents the rest of the season. Uh, Dallas is, of course, better against the pass than they are against the run. Uh, The Giants, you know, as we all documented prior to that matchup, not a very good run stopping defense. And uh, Washington, you know, football team can can, you know do damage if they can get to your quarterback. So I think you want to sort of, you know, get the run game going against them as well. So I think that's what we'll see in these in these final four games.
1: All right, Eagle fans, before you get mad and throw anything at your computer, I'm not predicting this. I'm not projecting this. I'm just postulating it because I think the best teams in football do this. They look at the worst-case scenario, and they want to be prepared for it just in case. What happens if Dallas Goddard gets hurt? Brett taught to the rescue? Really? Is Tyree Jackson ready to step up and do something for them? We we're about depth and the ability to step in. Oh, the Cowboys look good because they got healthy. Well, where would the Cowboys fill in players? There was such a drop off. That's what you have to have in the National Football League. Capable. Not game changing, but capable backups. Did Eagles have that at tight end in case Mr. Goddard goes down?
3: Yeah, I think if you look at the most uh, crucial players that they can't lose, uh, the rest, well, I think they lost one week two when they lost Brandon Graham, and we, we've seen how the defense has suffered uh, on that line since he was gone. And really have a guy capable of coming in and taking the kind of snaps that he gives you. And offensively, I think Goddard is, is similar because he hasn't come off the field anymore, especially now with uh, Earths traded. He's you know your second best uh, receiver in the passing game after Devonte Smith, and then uh, as a blocker, he's he's sort of a plus player. Uh, in that department as a tight end. So yeah, I, that'd be devastating if they were to lose him. And, you know, as you mentioned, <laughs> the, uh, the the guys behind him are Jack Stoll, who I don't know how many catches he has in the season. I think it's probably like two or three and Tyree Jackson. Well, I don't even know if he has a target yet this year. Um, converting quarterback so yeah that that'd be a pretty devastating blow if, if they were to lose him for sure
2: all right jimmy last one from me and i want to thank you for joining us on your morning commute everybody check out jimmy Kemp's phillyboys.com does a tremendous job covering this football team you left a big matzo ball out there from the previous question oh. i asked <laughs> you and that yeah. was as jerry seinfeld would say as that was you think the Eagles have made their decision on Jalen Hurts for 2022 and the future. And by the way, I think those two things could be different. What do you think the decision
3: is? I think they're going to move on. I think, well, not move on, uh, but, you know, try to upgrade uh, the quarterback position and, you know, a lot of different ways they can go about that, whether it's trading for a veteran, a lot of people think that this quarterback draft uh, class isn't, Really strong. I think it's not that bad. I think it's just when you compare it to the 2021 class, it doesn't look as good, and certainly that's true. But you know, there are some. There's going to be some guys worthy of going in the first round, like Matt Corral of uh, Ole Miss, uh, Ken Pickett of Pittsburgh. You know, we'll dig into those guys a little more during the off obviously. And then you know, you have the veterans <laughs> like Deshaun Watson, who they went after hard yeah. this off season, oh, and I yeah. expect them to probably do the same next off and then, of course, you have Russell Wilson, who's sort of been, you know, like the uh, the, the 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 guy that got away when they didn't take him in the uh, 2012 draft and instead took Vinnie Carey at the end of the second round. I think they've sort of regretted that for the last decade. And I think if they have the chance to get him and the, the cost isn't absolutely absurd, that's another direction they could go in. But I, I don't think that they view Jalen Hurts as the guy to lead the kind of offense that they want to have in Philadelphia. All right,
1: Jay Mack, you know I got to put my favorite hypothetical question to Kemsky as well for the oh, upcoming yeah. week. This is actually um, a
2: good one, Jimmy. Okay. All
1: right, uh, first things first, your stance about going forward with Jalen Hurts and they're aggressive, going to go look elsewhere, see what they have. Here's what I will say. If they look and they, yeah, they flirt and then nothing happens, the kid who's their quarterback now can actually handle that. He won't be put off. He won't be demanding a trade out of town. He won't let it get inside his head like the previous Eagles starting quarterback did. So give Jalen Hurts at least that much credit. Yes. Um, This weekend, first half, Jalen Hurts back. He's looking fine out there on the field, only he knows how close he is to 100%, whether it's 95, 90, 85, 80. He's their starting quarterback. It's not good. Um, He's 8 of fifth 18 at half uh he's only thrown for 50 some odd 60 some odd yards the eagles are trailing 10 to 3 he's only had two runs for 10 or 12 yards it's not even a good jalen hurts game which is kind of up and down to begin with who's starting the second half are they sticking with jalen hurts or is it gardner Minshew to the rescue
3: Yeah. So I'm going to take a step back from that real quick and I'll just say this. So when you look at what Gardner Minshew is as a player, I'll start by saying he's short. He doesn't have a good arm. He's not athletic. What he has (laughs) done over the course of his career in college and in the pro so far is he has maximized the limited talent that he has and give him credit for that, for, you know, getting everything out of his abilities that, that he can. However, If you bench Jalen Hurts for Gardner Minshew, you're benching him in favor of a short, weak-armed, (laughs) non-athletic quarterback. And you are absolutely wrecking his value for next offseason. So, you know, on the one hand, I said a minute ago that, you know, at this point in the season, they're not looking toward the future. They're looking to win these games. But at the same time, they're going to be mindful about, you know, not completely... Uh, killing the value of, of a quarterback who could be, you know, included in a trade for something like a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, Cause you know, there's the, the options are going to be far and wide this season and they want to make sure that he still has some value. I don't think they're going to, you know, be have like sort of that quick trigger on pulling him. If he's absolutely horrendous, like if he's two of 16, and they're losing by two touchdowns, but you know they get, like the opportunities are there, and maybe they can get back into a game with with pulling him and and putting in the starting you know putting in uh, Gardner Mitchell instead. Then yeah, I can maybe see that. But if it's like a, a seven point deficit and he's just kind of like not great through the first, I, I don't think they can pull him uh, that quickly. Uh, it, and and it, you know even if they you know th- these games do mean so much in terms of. Uh, you know, then making the playoffs of this year or not. I I don't think they can have a quick trigger, and I don't think they will. Jimmy, good stuff. We appreciate you hopping on. Get to wherever you're headed
1: safely. Uh, We'll surely get you on between now and the end of the season. Thanks for being part of Bird Street 65 today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Jim Kemski, Philly Boys, here with us on Bird Street 65. He's always good when he comes on. But I got to tell you there at the end, John, that was not a glowing scouting report of Gardner. No No, and he's right. That's what no, No, nah, yes, I don't think he's right. He's I think short, he's a little
2: harsh. He's short. He's got a weak arm. He's not terribly weak. You athletic. You call him
1: a weak arm. I don't call him a weak arm. I call him a below-average arm. There's a difference. Well, I know I, we're doing a semantical yeah. hair-splitting here. But I would say below-average arm as, as well. But I
2: think that's what Jimmy means by, when we say weak arm, we, say, we mean below-average NFL arm. He's got a good arm compared to me. I mean, I'm, I'm comparing him to other NFL quarterbacks. Well, so, quick, I agree. Your question. term is and probably... If,
1: if Kempsey was still on here, I'd ask him, too. But instead, I'll ask you. Who's got a better arm of the two? If uh, Let's say Jalen Hurts' Jalen Hurts's foot is not right. Jalen and he Hurts. doesn't start.
2: Jalen Hurts has a better arm.
1: No, no, no. That wasn't the question I'm asking. If, let's say Jalen Hurts can't start on Sunday. Who's got the better arm of the two starting quarterbacks?
2: Um... Taylor Heineke, that's cool. good, versus Gardner Minshew. Um, I haven't seen, uh, I would guess, Taylor Heineke has a slight edge, maybe a slight, 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 but they both have weak arms. From there you NFL go. That's the
1: point I'm making. It's not so bad. If you put a weak-armed quarterback, in, you, if that's what you're going to call him, a weak-armed quarterback, put him in against another weak-armed quarterback. And, oh, by the way, I'll take Gardner Minshew against whatever the Giants serve up the week after, be it either Daniel Jones or Mike Glenn or Jeff Fromm, whoever happens to be their quarterback. The only strong-arm quarterback they're playing the rest of the way home is Dak Prescott, week week 18. And
2: by the way, I don't think strength of arm is necessarily the differential. I just, I'm defending Jimmy's scouting report. Jimmy's scouting report was correct. He's short. He's, he's certainly short for an NFL quarterback. He has a weak arm for an NFL quarterback and he's not athletic, but I think he has some functional mobility. He's got some uh, pocket smarts, uh, be able to move around a little bit. Um, I think all of that is fair. Yeah. But you know, like I said, you know, people will call NFL receiver like Greg Ward, Greg Ward, your guy, he's slow. He's slow for an NFL receiver. He's fast for everybody else on the planet, pretty much, uh, for an NFL receiver. So that's what we're talking about when we say weak arm. Like Reed Sinnette, the third-string quarterback who probably can't play a lick, um, has a much stronger arm than than, than Gardner Minshew or Jalen Hurts. Uh, uh, but, you know, he's not as good a quarterback, so there's more things that come into it. I just think Jimmy's scouting report of Gardner Minshew is fair.
1: Yeah, that's what he is. I thought it was a little harsh. He did see the jet game last week that when Gordon oh, played it well. doesn't mean seven consecutive play well. passes in a row. Did he not? The small, weak armed quarterback who went eleven for eleven to start the game. Really? That's the scattering point you're gonna hand in.
2: Yeah. Still doesn't change. I mean, look at the majority of those throws. And um, you know, look at look at somebody with a big arm, and look at how they throw the foot. Look at Josh Allen. You got to see Josh Allen uh, in the national window. He might have the stronger. I'm trying to think. Does anybody have a stronger arm than Josh oh, Allen I, right now? I, I might
1: take the guy who came on after him, Aaron. Yeah. Um,
2: I I'm never going. Well, I'm never going to dispute the arm strength. I just mean at this at this stage of his career, I think Josh probably's got you know. Josh is a Raldish Chapman. He's got the 105 <laughs> on the on the gun, but Aaron Rodgers is obviously much better.
1: He's 100 with movement. Uh, yes. Josh exactly. Allen might be 105 straight. I'll that take the guy.
2: A, that is a tremendous
1: analogy, Jody. I'll take the guy with a uh, little movement on his 100 mile an hour splitter. Uh, he is John McMahon. And I am Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365. We'll come back, uh, kick it around. Eagles. Washington football team yes the countdown has begun we had to wait two weeks we're now down to less than a week before the Eagles get back onto the field after their bye week uh we got that much more to break down and joining us this hour or excuse me next hour we've got a couple minutes left here in hour number one our bud Derek Gunn Mr. Postgame Show live here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel D-Gun's gonna join us about 20-25 minutes from now so keep it where you've got it I'm Birds365.
4: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half. You could say that.
3: Holy sh! Glasses for cocktails, right?
4: It's for this,
3: this, this, and
4: that. disappears.
6: Of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: 7, 0, 3. 1, 2, 3. Because
6: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
7: When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
3: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
1: You got Maga Mac here. John McCall and Jody McDonald. Bart's 365. Yes, the Eagles return to the field this week. Yes. We're actually going to see an Eagle football game. What was yesterday like with no Eagles football? I watched the uh, Washington football team and the uh, Cowboys for sure and then jumped around to the rest of the National Football League. But, yes, we get the birds back. Um, What is your availability this week?
4: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health.
5: That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
1: Uh, JM, uh, when are you going to be able to talk to people uh, directly involved, coaches, players, and the like, uh, leading into the return of the Philadelphia Eagles?
2: Uh, nothing till Wednesday. Uh, the schedule's actually coming out today, so um, Wednesday will be a typical Wednesday. Uh, with all are the they other... actually
1: going to practice, or will it uh, be a
2: walkthrough? At... That I don't know. We're going to see that. Uh, and that will be kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, no availability till Wednesday uh, coming off the bye week. And by the way, Jody, everything in closed circuit to Zander, see if Jeff Kerr because I got to get COVID testing on Wednesday morning. But um, uh, everything broke the Eagles' way uh, again, pretty much uh you know, not perfect. Obviously, Minnesota could have lost on on Thursday nights, which would have helped out uh, a little bit. But for the most part, and, you know, 538, uh, I don't know if people know that. If they're political people, they know that uh, site, which is very famous for predicting elections. They also do NFL playoff predictions, and they have been for years. And it's pretty cool because you see the percentage rise and fall of the predictions of who's going to make the playoffs. And you have this big jumbled uh, seven seed picture for the NFC. How many teams are at six wins, Jody? I got to look it up real quick.
1: The Um, NFC, I believe, has five teams
2: so it's yeah if Washington is in right now they would be the final team at six and seven Minnesota would be the eight seed the Eagles nine Atlanta ten Saints eleven they're all six and seven uh, but that would be the way that things that things break right now because of the Eagles schedule though they are in the best position to get that seven seed Obviously, if they handle their business, right. They've they win Washington. out. If they win out, they're going to win. But even if they don't, if they lose one game, um, probably against Dallas, um, they're still be in really good shape. And right now, five thirty-eight. Even though the Eagles are third of those five teams right now, their prediction is that the Eagles have the best chance to make the playoffs at thirty-eight percent. Then comes Minnesota at 33%. Then comes Washington at 27%. Uh, the Saints are at 20%, and the Falcons are at 12%. So the Eagles have the easiest path for the playoffs because of their schedule down the stretch. And,
1: and, and that is kind of predicated on them beating Washington twice. First things first, you start with they, they have to – have to beat the Giants
2: oh god it, yes.
1: it's the game that we're going to look back when the season's over and done with and because two big reasons number one because the Giants are going to beat the Giants they're going to have a bad record uh, you look at the two rosters the Eagles are better than the Giants they should beat the Giants they've already lost to the Giants and oh by the way yeah Jalen Rager catches the ball on the last play of the game they win the game so that's going to be the game that circle on the calendar. How the hell did we lose that? That's going to end up costing them the playoffs. Because if they split with Washington, if they win one and lose one, they could win at home and lose on the road or vice versa. Either way, if they split those two games, Washington's going to win the tiebreaker against them because they beat the Giants. They, they got a chance to beat the Giants twice. If you assume the Giants are going completely in a tank, which they probably won't. They'll jump up and beat somebody. You know, who knows who they're going to beat? But um, if if Washington beats the Giants, they will have swept the Giants. That loss to the Giants is what cost the the playoff spot.
2: It's crippling if they can't. If they're going to look back and because that's such a bad football team, and it's only gotten worse since then without Daniel Jones and they're playing Mike Lennon. So. That's part of it as well. So, But, you know, they're just bad. They're just bad all the way around. I still can't figure out that loss. And, you know, as you mentioned, all the opportunities, yeah, they will look back at that particular game and say, oh, how did we lose it? And that would likely cost them the playoffs. If they lose two, they got no shot. If they lose again to the New York Giants, which I can't imagine,
1: yeah. They have no shot. Yeah, that that would be a crusher. All right, I I saw uh, watching the highlights over the weekend. Saw kid uh, get a touchdown. Kid kid compared to me, not in the National Football League, but compared to you or I, um, and it made me think of you. And I said, "Damn, I got to run this one by McMillan come tomorrow." Um, earlier this year we talked about Cordell Patterson. Cordell, yeah, great player. And I said he was a major disappointment as a wide receiver from where he was picked in the draft. And I kind of stuck by that because all of a sudden he's having a second act to his career, but it's as a running back. They're using him out of the backfield. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He runs the ball out of the backfield. He splits out wide and plays some wide receiver and has caught some touchdown passes. But his strength is as a running back. But you could consider him still a wide receiver because they play him some. We know during the offseason, Eagles are going to be in the market for a wide receiver. Maybe be in the draft, probably not first round. Certainly in free agency. Can they get one of the mega stars, Devonta Smith? I'm not uh, Devonta Adams, excuse me. I don't know about that, but you can certainly dream the dream. But we know they're going to be in the mix for all the wide receivers in free agency during the offseason is Cordell Patterson someone they even think about? Can Can Nick Sirianni take what Cordell Patterson does and meld a role for him in the Eagle offense if they wanted the kid?
2: Well, yes, because yes and no. I mean, he's not what they need at wide receiver. Um, and actually, I was watching uh, a little bit of the Bears-Packers game last night. And I heard... Chris Collins were say something about Allen Robinson. That's the type of receiver the Eagles need. He called him a veteran savvy, you know, which he is route runner. Who's who is a, you know, third down uh, uh, default guy. Who's just going to move the chains. And he's more than that. He's a really good receiver, but that's what they need. They need a smart route running veteran receiver who understands game situations. Nobody's a bigger Cortrell Patterson fan than me. I think he's one of the most unique players that has ever lived. And that's why when you said that Jody, yeah, he's not a wide receiver. He's a manufacturer touch guy. He he's not a position guy. And and people start talking about positionless players. He's got I think he's got six touchdowns, rushing five touchdowns, passing Five and five, but damn close. He's got 10 touchdowns. Yeah. Um, You know, for a team that at least is still in that six-win mix. But I think a lot of people don't know. He's like a four-time All-Pro. He made the All-Decade team in the 2010s. I don't know of anybody who's ever made an All-Decade team that people say, you
1: know, he's a disappointment. Uh, maybe he's well, a disappointment. When you make when you make all, all decade as a specialist, that, that's kind of a category unto itself.
2: Well, uh, fair. But, I mean, he might be the greatest kickoff returner of all time. You know, out of nowhere, I, I, I said it. You know, Michael Clay was talking. Last week, we were talking to Michael Clay. We were talking about the kick return issues with Jalen Rager and all the issues. We didn't bring up Cordero Patterson's name. <laughs> And Michael Clay did. You know, people default is you'd like to have Cordero Patterson. Everybody says that. Everybody says that. He he's just a weird. And I wish somebody figured him out quicker. Um, but some of his touchdowns over his career, his highlight films, he's just such a unique player. But the Eagles need a a receiver. They could use a kick returner. They could use him. But they need a veteran receiver who understands how to run routes and is effective because, you know, Greg Ward can do some of that, but he's not effective. They need somebody who can move the chains on third downs, who can do all the dirty work. They need that savvy veteran guy. And that's not Corgato Patterson.
1: Understood. I just I know how big a fan you are, so that's why I want to run him by. He got his 10th touchdown yesterday, which is off the charts. And, oh, by the way, somebody's going to pay him. I'm sure the Eagles' point of view would be, oh, we'll take him if we don't have to pay him, like, starting wide receiver money. If we're just getting him for kickoff returns, where he gives you added value, where you get to use him a little bit as a running back and a wide receiver, they'll be a better fit will be willing to pay more for him next year. Because I'm with you. The Eagles need to, if he's your second wide receiver, and because you need to get a more uh, prototypic wide receiver, like an Allen Robinson, then you can't afford to pay Cordell Patterson what it's going to cost to be able to get him. Um, so I'm saying it's higher uh, unlikely like he, he signs here. But um, he just, he I, I may have culpits from yours truly. Because I didn't think he was going to be able to do what he's done this year for uh Atlanta. yeah i've o- his-
2: i've always and that's the term i've always called him a great football player i can't even tell you what he's playing but he if you give him the football if you get him the football in space and he puts his foot in the ground good luck man because he's this powerful um you know 220 pound guy you can break tackles and it, but he's not a good route runner so yeah if you if you're only saying you know, the Vikings drafted him as a receiver way back in the day. He wasn't a good receiver, but they didn't draft him as a receiver. They drafted him as a receiver, as a kick returner, as a manufactured touch guy, and they knew that. Um, and, you know, but it's tough, and it's always tough. I think it was Brad Childress at the time. I could be wrong. but And Brad was a, a headstrong guy, and, you know, you've you got to be inventive to get those guys involved. It's easy to say to Devontae Smith or, you know, you, you know, Omari Cooper or Justin Jefferson or the great route runners, you know, just run and go run a great route and you're going to get separation. You're going to win the football. If you have a manufactured touch guy, you got to invent ways to get them to football. And there's not a
1: lot of coaches that can do that in a consistent fashion. No, and uh, I think I've seen enough from Nick Sirianni that uh, I'd I'd be willing to go along with him if he said I'll find a way to use him. Uh, I like what uh, Sirianni has done because I'm not blaming him for the created touches for Jalen Rager. I'm more blaming Jalen Rager. Uh, yeah, so be yeah. Well, he be
2: better. He definitely would be better at that stuff than that Jalen Rager. I can yeah. say that with with
1: utmost confidence. All right, so we're counting down the days. We're not going to know till Wednesday. You got any guys that you can lean on for potential leaks as to the Eagles' health? Or do the Eagles even know? Do the players, when they get out of there for the bye week, just separate themselves? Or are coaches constantly, at a minimum, texting their players and asking them how they're feeling? How's the update? Are they going in for rehab this week? Uh, oh yeah the just... guys
2: the guys who are rehabbing like jason Kelsey he's he's been at the facility trying to get ready um the guys that are hurt rehabbing yeah they stick around um to do as much as they have to do um you know the guys who are healthy or healthy-ish or just banged up everybody's banged up at this point of the season they're trying to recharge the batteries they're trying to get away but yeah somebody who's fighting back, and I I would even consider Jalen Hurts in that uh, standpoint as well. Um, yeah, they've been there, rehabbing the injury, trying to get back, and, you know, Jimmy Kempsey's right with Jason Kelsey. I mean, that's a big one, and that that's one that it, it, you, the Eagles have done such a great job with the moving parts on the offensive line. But I think that stops at center if they lose Jason Kelsey. Yeah. I think that stops.
1: I, I asked about Goddard, Uh Same thing with Jason Kelsey. He goes out. That's a big hole for the Eagles to fill. All right. Uh, one last question for you. I'm going to ask it seriously, but no ahead of time. Uh, I'm not really expecting all that serious an answer. Do you know where Devonta Smith was Saturday?
2: Was he at the Heisman? I didn't watch it. He said no. he was
1: going. Uh, no, here's, I, don't. Uh, I did watch it because I was waiting to get on here on CBS at 10 o'clock. So uh, I knew I was going to have to comment on it uh, since you didn't see it. And for any of our uh, streamers here on birds, Three Sixty Five, we didn't stream it. I uh, didn't watch it. Um, everyone knows that Bryce Young's going to win. His betting odds going into it on Saturday were minus 4,000. To win a hundred bucks, you had to bet four thousand dollars against uh Bryce Young. That's how odds on heavy favorite he was. And oh, by the way, if you had the four grand, you won a hundred. So more power to you if you laid it down. Cause uh, everybody knew it was gonna happen. But miracle easy was way to win a hundred bucks for... if you got it, if
2: you can just uh you know.
1: If you got the four thousand to put down and and roll the dice with. Um so he did win and he won going away. Wasn't even close. The boat was lopsided. Um so the ESPN does its usual production broadcast. They give you an hour plus and they run all the highlights and talk to the parents at a time and they drag it out for 55 minutes. And then for the final five minutes, they're going to tell you what, and this year's Heisman trophy winner is Bryce Young. So he comes up and gives a two and a half, three minutes speech. They've got his parents sitting there right in the front row. So the ESPN reporter is there to ask him what it means and everything. It was cute. And then uh, it's already after the top of the hour, so they've gone a little bit long. And Reese uh, Davis says, and we've got one more surprise for you. And they're all circled around, the former Heisman winners are standing behind uh, the podium where Young gets to make his speech. So they all turn around and look at the big video board that they have behind them. And it's a voiceover from Devonta Smith, who's not there, but he does a voiceover. And to my former teammate, my guy, congratulations. They show a highlight of his first ever touchdown pass on the collegiate level. It's to Devonta Smith. When he went in and filled in last year for Mac Jones in a blowout game, he did throw a touchdown pass to Devonta Smith, first ever college touchdown pass. And Devonta has a great line. And he says, little did they know that your first ever touchdown pass was going to be a Heisman to Heisman connection which I thought was a great line. I don't know if somebody wrote it for him or Devonta wrote it for himself, but it was great. They they, they closed it out with a really nice piece of production. And congratulations to Mr. Young. And yes, I will predict now he'll be the number one pick in the draft in 2023 because he's not coming out this year. He's a uh, sophomore, so he can't come out till next year. Why wasn't Devonta Smith up there?
2: I don't know when we talked to him. He said he he was going up, and, and he probably said probably. I'll have to look at the transcript, but he did indicate that he planned on going up. Um, who knows? I, well, we'll have to ask him when we get back. Yeah, uh, but he he said he planned
1: on it. We he had about the bye it. week. If you're a NFL player, yeah. and you're in the middle of. The season. I, I
2: wrote about it on Philly Mag because he planned. He said he was going up, and he planned on going up, and he wanted to be there. Uh, But who knows? I mean, could be something as simple as, I don't know, car problems, family issues.
6: You
1: you know me, Mr. Panic here. Devonta Smith got an injury that we're not privy to, that we don't know about. They took him out
2: so he wouldn't get an injury, so he didn't have to block um, against the Jets. So, no, he's he's fine. Uh, But he did... That is interesting because he did say he planned on on going up, and maybe he said, you know what? Yeah, Devontae's a homebody, man. He doesn't like going anywhere. He likes to he likes to play video games, and he <laughs> doesn't like to go out. So maybe he just said, you know what? I don't want to
1: go up to New York. Well, and then uh, number one, it uh, that would cut my consternation down a little bit. Number two, I give him credit because he did record the piece for ESPN. Yeah. And I thought it was the coolest thing about the whole award ceremony, which and ran maybe an Maybe it came down minutes. to
2: that. Maybe they said to him, they gave him the option. He said, oh, I can do it from here. I'll do it from here. Maybe it was one of those things.
1: Uh, but, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll, that, that'll definitely come up okay. when he talks yeah, this week. I'm just hoping that there's nothing, because if he did say he was going to go, and then he didn't go, you know red flags go up. Wait a minute. Is there something wrong with Devonta? Sorry, Eagle fans, if I'm a little bit of a nervous nelly. All right, McMullen and McDonald, hanging with you here on Birds 365. We'll take a time out. Scheduled to join us is our bud, D-Gun, Dark gun from the post-game show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Coming back here on Birds 365.
4: At stateside vodka every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free what's that uh a rocks glass you're telling me that bottle is cut in half you could say that
3: <laughs> holy shit. The glass is for cocktails right
4: it's for this 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 and that disappears.
6: Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: Seven, three. One, two, three, because
6: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes
7: to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messen Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MesaLaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
3: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
1: He is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. That makes us the Mac-O-Mac guys on Bird365. Your Eagles Day In, Day Out. Show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. It's not quite as big as Eagles Post Game Live, which we do here on the Jacob Media channel as well, which is handled by our buddy Derek Gunn, who's good enough to hop aboard with us right now. D Gunn, how was your Sunday off?
8: Refreshing is the best way to describe it. Um, you know, it's nice to have a rare Sunday off just to catch your breath and watch some other games. And uh, got to see a couple of games that I wanted to see yesterday. Obviously, the Cowboys, uh, Washington game. So yeah, it was, it was, it was nice just to uh, the cleanse, so to speak, <laughs> if, before we keep moving forward down the stretch.
2: Yeah, you gotta clear your head, D gun, but yeah, you gotta you gotta keep your finger on the pulse as well. And you got to see Dallas and the Washington football team. And obviously, I mean people are focused on the Cowboys and right. it's hard for Eagles fans to root for the Cowboys, but that's sure. what they should have wanted to happen. And the Washington football team currently the last seed, the seven seed in the NFC East, but the Eagles get to play them twice in three weeks, home yeah. and home series. And guess what, D Gun? Yeah, Cowboys put them on the tee. They hurt the quarterback. They hurt the best receiver. They hurt two offensive linemen. Yeah,
8: good the things softened have gone them up. better for the Eagles. Yeah, they they softened them up. Uh, uh, you know. So thank you, Dallas, for softening up <laughs> Washington. As they get ready to come in. obviously, they're still waiting for more reports on uh, Taylor Heineke to see what his situation is. Uh, Terry McLaurin now in concussion protocol. You know you know how those things go. Yeah, uh, Might not be a determination until Saturday before we know his status. And, of course, Terry's always been a, a, an Eagles killer, so to speak, when he plays this team. So, yeah, but the Eagles are sitting in a good place right now. You know, they're, they're healing up. You know, we're still waiting to find out, you know, um, you know, Jordan Howard of the knee situation is is kind of iffy. Uh, They're further evaluating Brandon Brooks to see how far along he is as well. Uh, Miles Sanders, you know, is a a dynamic of a back as he can be. You know, he gets nicked up every now and then. So, you know, the the bye, you know, it's funny when the season started, we all talked about why would they have a bye so late in the season? Wow. Did the bye come at the best possible time for the Eagles team?
1: All right, let me follow up on one name that you just put out there. And kudos to you, D-Gunn. Last Saturday, uh, I got it from you first that it was going to be a Taylor-Heineke game. We know you've got good sources. We know you've got Hard good relations with the players. Brendan Brooks. Mm-hmm. It was going to be week 10. and It was going to be week 12. I mean, don't talk to us till after the bye week. And it just kept getting pushed back and back. Yeah. As yeah. John has correctly pointed out, the coach has been – Relatively upfront about injuries, more so than Doug Peterson ever was. But when it comes to Brandon Brooks, they've been kind of closed mouth. Your yeah. sources giving you anything? You guys giving you at least a feel on when, if Brandon Brooks can come back and contribute to the tail end of this season?
8: At this particular time, no. They're they're, they're relatively hush hush about it, and they're taking every precaution possible with Brandon Brooks. Um, you know, and, and when you look at the way this offensive line has played, the way they've been mauling people at the line of scrimmage, there's no need to, to rush him back. You know, uh, if the Eagles stay in contention, which I fully expect them to, what a nice luxury he would have uh, it, whenever he comes back. It was the la- second last game of the season, last game of the season. But they're not. They're, there's no need to rush him right now. You know, you, you look across the National Football League and especially look at some of the teams the Eagles have played up until right before their bye week that have been decimated along the offensive line is, and it's been a glaring weakness, but you look at the way the Eagles have, have, have plugged and played across their offensive line. They're still mauling people, you know, running for 200 yards. They leave the national football league in rushing, which has tremendously helped the quarterback situation in terms of taking a lot of pressure off his shoulders. So right now, you know, very little information out there about the Brandon Brooks situation. Um, but if I find out something, you know, you guys know, I'll keep you posted.
2: And, T-Con, there's another issue on the offensive line, and that's Jason Kelsey because Jason Kelsey left the field against the New York Jets um, pretty – it didn't look good. I, I think we're all a little bit concerned – And I think everybody breathed a sigh of relief when Nick Sirianni came out and said, we got positive news on Mm -hmm. Jason Kelsey. Mm -hmm. And we all know how tough Jason Kelsey is. And he's going to try to go out there and play. But positive news is not he's going to play after the bye. Um, Wednesday will obviously be a very big day. Um, Is there any chance Mm. the Eagles could be without Jason Kelsey because – As you talk, they've been phenomenal with the replacements, the moving parts on the offensive line. But I don't think they can replace Jason Kelsey. I don't know.
8: Now, that's that's the one spot where, um, you know, if you're looking for a weak link in the armor, if he doesn't play, that could be the weak link in the armor. We've seen what has happened with Nate Herbick uh, in there. Um, and Nate Herbick, obviously, is a, is a tremendous step down from a Jason Kelsey. That's not a knock against Nate Herbick. It's just that it is what it is. And, you know, it's funny. I was told earlier in the season uh, when, when Kelsey was nicked up, uh, it was a great line that says, you would have to strap Kelsey down to a gurney to keep him from playing in a game. If Jason Kelsey can play on one leg, Jason Kelsey is going to play. Now, obviously, the doctors and the trainers have the final say, but they know Jason's me- mental makeup. So I'm I'm betting that as of we as we sit here right now, I'm betting that Jason Kelsey will be under center um, on on Sunday against Washington. Um, I would be shocked, you know, if he's not. And again, this extra week, this extra uh, time off couldn't have come at a better time for this team to let him heal up and for them to get further evaluation to see exactly where he is. But you're right, you're right, John. Wednesday and especially Thursday. Will be pivotal days in terms of finding out exactly wh- where Jason Kelsey is. And you know he's going to get the veteran day off as well. So we have to factor that in as well. So, but those days are going to be pivotal. And even Friday, you know, even though Friday's a lighter practice, it's going to be pivotal in terms of seeing exactly where Jason Kelsey is uh, for this upcoming game.
1: D gun, uh, let me give you another valuable late season bye week advantage the Eagles had. See if you uh, agree on this one last week when uh, the backup quarterback went in and played the game that he did. And again, kudos to d Gun, first one to have it Saturday last week. It's going to be a Gardner-Minshew game. Um, I, both John and I are a little surprised that the root, root, root for the backup QB controversy didn't reach the levels that we thought it might, as it usually does here in Philadelphia when a guy comes off the bench and plays as well, as Minshew did. Um, the coach kind of put a kibosh on it as soon as the game ended. But we're surprised that Eagle Nation didn't rise up and say, Gardner's the guy. Um, If there was any of that involved, having a whole week off kind of took the edge off that too. The coach took the immediate edge off it. A week off took even that much more of an edge off it. The only way Jalen Hurts isn't playing this week is if he's hurt, right?
8: Right. You know, and, and Nick Ceriani did the exact thing he should have done. You know, douse that fire before it was spread like wildfire. That's exactly what you do. And I think even though people were excited to see the way, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew played, number one, we all understand it was the Jets. The Jets are a mess. <laughs> I, <laughs> I always and, laugh and, at that. And, and, number two, and number two, we also saw Gardner Minshew's lack of arm strength, and that's why he, he's a backup in these situations. Now, Jalen Hurts doesn't have the strongest arm, but I think Jalen Hurts has a stronger arm than Gardner Minshew. Plus. Yeah. You know when Jalen Hurts is right. You know a big part of his game is his ability to take off and generate more yardage with his feet. You know I don't like seeing a quarterback as a leading rusher, but in this particular case, you know it has served well for Jalen Hurts to have that ability to step up and take off and and beat beat containment around the edge. You know the very few linebackers or safeties are going to come up and take the angle away from him once he gets to the outside. So yes, I think it, I think it was it was squashed exactly where it should have been squashed. You know, some of these coaches have the audacity to say, you know what? Uh, During this bye week, we're going to evaluate everything. Can you imagine if he had said that? You know, it would still be talked about today. But Nick Sirianni did the right thing. Oh, no. Jalen Hurts is my quarterback when he's healthy.
2: He did do the right thing, and he did do a good job sort of dampening any right. potential controversy. But you brought up a good point, Deacon, with Jason Kelsey in the back, the, your gurney story. We all know that's yep. that's Jason. We saw him right. hyperextend his elbow last year. I thought he was done for the season. Absolutely. He missed one play, went into halftime. It was the play before the half. He came out. He couldn't lift his arm. He finished the game. Hmm. I think we all know Jalen Hurts wanted to play against the New York Jets, was fighting to play against the New York Jets. But the Eagles made the difficult decision of leaning on the medical and training staff and saying, you know what, it's probably better. Probably the buy has something to do with it as well. Understanding, get yourself completely healthy for the stretch run. How how difficult? How political does a coaching staff have to be with a young quarterback? Did they go to him and say, well, Jason's a potential future Hall of Famer? Yeah. How how do you handle those? two different situations
8: when players want to play. Well, when you talk about your young quarterback, and we've all agreed that you need this full season to to thoroughly evaluate what Jalen Hurts is going to be for this organization moving forward. They've got some uh, important decisions for this organization beyond 2021. When you look at the multitude of draft picks they have coming up for 2022. Uh, In a Jason Kelsey situation, because Jason Kelsey has that body of work who has played through you know, injuries that have knocked players out for a game or two, you know, J- Jason Kelsey knows his pain level better than anybody else. With a young quarterback like that, the worst thing you could have done, what if you had have put him out there against the Jets and he had done irreparable damage to that ankle and he's done for the season? Now this entire season is in the hands of Gardner Minshew. I think we all, and then when I say we all, fans and, and media alike, would be sitting here lambasting the Eagles organization. Why did you put him out there if his ankle wasn't 100%? So you're right, it's a business decision they had to make. And I do think, you know, you you know, I like what you said, John, because I said the same thing. I laugh when people say it was the Jets. But I think they made a very appropriate business decision because of who they were playing. Now the Jets did have a couple of quality wins on their schedule, but I think this coaching staff, when they looked at the matchups across the board, realized that they could dominate if they stuck to their game, which primarily was that running game, if they stuck to that game plan and you know, they, they can handle the Jets, which they did thoroughly. It was close for a while, but then the Eagles pulled away uh, with, with their running game. And, of course, Gardner Minshew throwing the wide receivers wide open, you know, in a lot of cases as well. Uh, so, you know, I think this team is being cautious with Jalen Hurts because of what I said a few moments ago. They need to sit back when the season is over, whether it ends at the end of the regular season or whether they get in the playoffs and they bow out in the first round or second round or whatever the case may be. They need to sit down and have a collaborative meeting, scouts, front office, coaches alike, and determine moving forward, what is Jalen Hurts to this organization? Because I've said on multiple platforms over the last week, I think people should get ready for the fact that you have Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew again in 2022. When you look at what's in front of them in terms of free agency, you know, you think Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers is going to come here? unless Howie Roseman is able to pull what he pulled in 2017 and sprinkle a lot of seasoned vets on this roster by way of, of a free agency. You know, they're talking about there's no surefire quarterback, first-round quarterback in this upcoming draft. But well, we all know that changes by the time you get through uh, the combine and your own personal workouts. But if you have somebody in place, it's not that bad of a thing to have a young quarterback in your system the second year. Now that you know you can run the football, and by running the football, you don't have to have that quarterback pass the football as much. And, oh, by the way, he can also aid your running game as well. So that's why I think, you know, it was the perfect scenario, the perfect storm. We don't need Jalen for this game. We do need him for these last four divisional games. Let's take that approach, and that's exactly what they did. Degon,
1: I want to uh, back, 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 back it up with you. About ten and a half months ago uh, when the Eagles made the decision, kind of a week late, that they were going to make a change at the head coach position and they uh, moved away from Doug Peterson. And the owner, Jeff Lurie, came out in explaining it and said that he and Doug had a different vision of where they were. Doug was more worried about winning this year and the Eagles were looking at this as a transition phase. Well, here we sit. John just ran down the odds from uh, the the odds website that the Eagles are the favorite right now to get the seventh spot in the playoffs, which means in the playoffs, that's a hell of a transition if you're making the postseason in a transition year. If they don't, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I right. want the answer to this question. If they don't, how will this season be viewed? What, will, will there be any repercussions of we could have made the playoffs, we should have made the playoffs, we didn't make the playoffs? If they come up short for whatever reason, how will this season be viewed? Do you have enough information to even speculate on that answer?
8: Well, if you, if you go back to uh, when they made the coaching transition, the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, came out and told us, you know, get ready for a transitional year. Mm-hmm. Basically meaning we are re- re- rebuilding, retooling, however they wanted to define it. So a lot of people felt, me included, this was going to be a six or seven win team, you know, when the season started. And nobody, I don't think, projected this team as a playoff team, considering you got rid of your franchise quarterback, you're moving in another direction with the head coach, um, you're, you're going on a youth movement at the, some of the skill position players, you really didn't know what you have in defense. We all thought that linebacking situation was going to be a huge liability, which it was for a lot of this season, but that position has gotten a little bit more stabilized as we've moved forward. Um, so if this team doesn't make the playoffs, let's say they go two and two down the stretch. Well, they finish the season eight and nine. You know, I think, I think a lot of people will be surprised by the fact that they're still even relevant at this point. We're still talking about the Eagles, as a possible playoff team. And as we've watched this this season unfold week in and week out, man, expect the unexpected. We just don't know what's going to happen. Look at all the teams that have, have risen up and bitten uh, teams that are supposed to be better teams. Look at some of the better teams that have struggled. Now, Baltimore may be without a quarterback for a while, you know, with Lamar Jackson's situation. So you can't predict anything. You know, so if this team would finish 8-9, would people be disappointed? Yes. But, you know, you're talking about a Washington team, as we saw before they played Dallas. Has a very good defensive team. Okay, so now they've got a couple of nicked up key spots the quarterback, the wide receiver, and a couple of offensive linemen. You know, we don't know how long they're going to be out. You know, the one lineman that was taken off in a cart, anytime you take it off in a cart, that's not a good thing. But, you know, they get to face this Washington team, you know, twice in a span of three weeks. You get a rematch with the Giants. Daniel Jones hasn't played the last couple of games. We don't know what his situation is, but we do know what the Giants are. But yet we also know the Giants are able to rise up as they did and bit the Eagles. And before that, they beat the Raiders at home 23-16. So nothing is given. And as they always say, you know, it's it's an old adage, but it's so true. That's why you play the games. But the Eagles are in a very good position to take care of their own. Would there be extreme disappointment considering they're right on their cusp of getting the playoffs? Obviously. But if they don't, if they stay relevant until the last game of the season, I think we'll take that at this point.
2: Yeah, meaningful football in yeah. the holiday yeah. season. That's all we want to gun. But you're right. We have a 13-game sample size now. And we yeah. have that late bye week. And opportunity for the coaching staff to self-scout and yeah. look at themselves. Anything you see that they should change coming out of the bye, and I'm specifically looking at – a Nelson Aguilar-like situation with Jalen Rager. You remember when Doug Peterson sat Nelson down for a game? I think it was after the Seattle Mm -hmm. uh, sort of issue where he had a number of drops. Jalen Rager's obviously struggling with his confidence. Do you sit him down? Do you say take a step back?
8: Well, basically, you've already have by giving him a week off. So he's had that week to clear his mind and get ready for what's to come. I think the best thing you can do with a player in that situation is put him back on the bicycle and let him ride it again. You know, you you can fall down and scrape your knees a a number of times, but then you got to get up and keep riding that bicycle if you're going to learn how to ride the bike. And I think Nick Sirianni's done a really good job with him. You know, you're not expecting him to be your primary weapon. You sprinkle him in here or there with the jet sweeps you know, and things like that. And I think he did have, what, one or two catches the last game against the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. You know, so that's how you sprinkle them in. You know, unfortunately, right now we're looking at a two-man passing game with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, and you're not getting very much (laughs) else from the likes of a Quez Watkins, you know, Jalen Rager. I'm surprised Greg Ward is still in a witness protection program. You know, I think Greg Greg Ward could tremendously help this passing game. It seems like every time that guy catches a pass, it's for a first down. You know, and I don't understand why they're not utilizing him more. But it is what it is right now. The formula has been working. So I don't think they're going to change anyway, in any way, shape, or form. You know, what you see is what you're going to get moving forward.
1: When I want to ask about a uh, position on his team, the D-Gun. Quite frankly, I'm not sure where it's going or what the yeah. Eagles are doing or right. uh, how they're handling it. And that's safety. Mm. Last game against the Jets, Rodney McLeod, played less snaps than he has in a game as an Eagle since he's been here. And that's six years worth that they were running three different safeties in there, Harris and uh, Marcus Epps, who John likes to call Epsy, who is actually playing better football. I got to give him props, uh, but it's less Rodney McLeod than it has been for a long time. Are the Eagles good enough at safety for
8: this last four game run? I think so. When you consider who they're going to face now, it would be interesting to see how their safety situation holds up when they have to play Dallas at the end of the season if Dallas needs that game for positioning, you know, for playoff positioning. But when you look at the other three opponents that they're going to face, I think the safety position is good enough. If they're going to continue to use that rotation of Rodney and Marcus Epps and, you know, Anthony Harris, I think considering who, who they're matching up against, uh, yes, uh, as we sit here right now, yes, I would have to say that safety position is good enough. And let's face it, whether it's good enough or not, that's all they have. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to get any better, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> I think right now, um, if Jonathan Gannon continues to play the way they've been, the way they've been playing, you know, have the corners come down and play more bump and run, force the quarterback to pat the ball a little bit more, let the dogs in the trenches get after the quarterback a little bit more. I think the safe guys on the back end are good enough to hold up at this point.
2: Um, I think. You know, defensively, Deacon, I yeah. think because of what is going on with the offense and Gardner Minshew coming on, we're always talking about Jalen Hurts. We just yep. talked about the struggles, struggles of Jalen Rager, right. the passing game versus the running game. All of a sudden, that defense is taken uh, on the back burner and sort of nobody's paying attention because they're solid. Not great, but right. I think they're 11th in the NFL. Uh Uh, in total defense Um, from where it started to where we are now. And we saw early in the season when they're playing the Tom Brady's of the world, the Patrick Mahomes is the Justin Herbert's, even those 80, 90% completion rates with Derek Carr Mm -hmm. to where we are now. Is it just playing lesser quarterbacks or are they getting better?
8: I think it's a combination of the two. I think it's because number one, yes, they have played lesser quarterbacks after that wave of quarterbacks that you talked about, but also because the offense's ability to sustain drives. You know, when you're talking about they've had how many, on an average, three to four, you know, drives per game now that are eight play, nine play, 11 play drives. It has allowed that defense to be fresher, you know, coming back into the games. And I think that has made a difference. And we've seen Jonathan Gannon make some slight alterations. You know, I can't talk enough about the cornerbacks now. Darius Slay and Steve Nelson, they want to play bump and run. That's what they want to do. They want to get physical. They don't want to sit back 10, 12 yards off off the ball and let the receiver catch everything underneath and they have to come up and make the tackles. No. Look at the difference in Darius Slay's game since Jonathan Gannon has allowed the guys to play bump and run. He had three touchdowns in four games. You look at the completion percentage uh, against him uh, over the last four games or so compared to what it was earlier in the season. You know, so they're playing their style of play. And I think the way this defense is structured, it's a direct correlation for, for the cornerbacks that have been able to knock a lot of receivers off their routes or to stay with receivers that have helped the guys in the trenches be more disruptive, especially the likes of Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox to be more disruptive disruptive in the trenches. Look at the consistent pushes they're getting, forcing quarterbacks to step off their spots a lot more, forcing quarterbacks to pat the ball a little bit more trying to survey a situation. So I I think it's a combination of everything. I think the offense has definitely benefited the defense. And I do think because Jonathan Jonathan Gannon has finally made some alterations in his overall schemes, uh, the overall product has been that much better. D-Gun, four games left, three of
1: which are at home. Yeah, Lincoln Financial Field. Yep. Oh, shoot. The Eagles are one and four at home this year. (laughs) They're guaranteed not to have a winning record at home. The best they can do is 500- yeah. Why? Happenstance, coincidence, scheduling. I'd like to think that the link is still a home field advantage for the Eagles. But the, as Bill Parcells once said, "Your record is what it's you are. What your record says you are." And they're one and four at home.
8: What do you read into it? I read. I, I read into it. Look at the, look at the, the the heavyweight schedule they had the first part of that season, and you look at the quarterbacks they were playing early on, and you look at the teams that they were playing early on at home. And you're talking about teams that have already established themselves in terms of what they were offensively and defensively compared to an Eagles team that was evolving as, as it, went, it went along on both sides of the football. And because that had this, that, that schedule was so front-heavy, it, it was a learning tool. It was mm-hmm. a disappointing learning tool in a lot of ways for this Eagles team under new direction, under new quarterback, implementing the likes of a Devonta Smith, trying to figure out who you were at linebacker, what you wanted to be on a defense. I think a combination of those things uh, really hurt the Eagles in terms of getting off to a better start. But, you know, with the advent of the running game, uh, again, changes in the defensive concepts as they learned, you know, they, they got better as they went along, as they took beatings, as the L's piled up, the, the, the coaching staff, the players got better. The concepts got better and it gelled at the right time for this team. So by the time they got to a, or more favorable part of the schedule, things started to go a lot better for this team. All
2: right, D-Gun, I saved the toughest one for last for you. And obviously uh, watch Derek Gunn right here, Jacob Media YouTube channel. You see the backdrop there, 6abc.com as well, the live post-game show. You got Gun on one, the podcast, doing some work for eagles.com, Wisconsin's. Greatest NFL reporter. And by the way, you Wisconsin people are so spoiled with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, so spoiled.
0: 30 consecutive
2: years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, the most spoiled fan base in America. But I digress. Here's the difficult (laughs) question. Mm -hmm. Who's your favorite, Mark Parzetta or Devin Caney? I know I'm not in the conversation, but so Mark Parzetta of Devin King.
8: Well, you have to put yourself in there as well. <laughs> and, and, and I will give you the politically correct answer. I love everybody I work with. I've had a lot of fun. Um, if you ask me, if you're going to twist my arm uh, and, and, and force me to give you an answer, then you're going to have to just break my arm because I've enjoyed working with both. You know, Mark and I have history from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Didn't know much about Devin before we started this venture. Uh, when the season kicked off, but I think she's been a great asset to the program. Uh, I love her personality. I love her insight. I love her her candidness. Um, so you know, I you you you're not going to get me on this one. Jared. You're a pro, man. You know, you're too it, smooth. There you go. Know, no, he, you know, he, he's it, it, not a pro. He's a dope.
1: Are you <laughs> kidding me? Here's what I would say. Right, uh, Mark Rozzetta or Devin K- Lane Johnson. He's the biggest yeah. guy. When in doubt, always side with the biggest guy. <laughs> if a fight's gonna break out, go with the big guy. Farzetta would run. They, they, they're not even a question. You gotta go Lane Johnson, D gun. But
8: well, I, I don't know. I don't know if Farzetta could take Devin in a fight. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Devin's <laughs> Devin, Devin Devin pretty... You stand Devin... behind Lane Johnson. You're perfectly fine. Yeah, let them but... duke it out themselves. Yeah, but you know what? It's a collaborative effort. We're yeah. all family. John McMullen, great insight from outside the locker room after games you can't pick a favorite. Everybody <laughs> has their part, and it meshes well. So you can't ask me to, you know, upset somebody because I know it's going to happen. I'll get a call from Devin or, or Martin. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, that's you, what I am trying to create You picked, her, you picked her over me. You picked him yeah. over me. Thanks, D-Gun. Oh, no, 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 no. No, <laughs> no I'm not going to upset the apple cart right now. We're Camelot. Yes. We're Got Camelot yes. right now. Let, let there be Let there be peace among the masses.
1: Gotta love John McMullen, throws the match, and walks in the other direction. <laughs> thank you very much for that, J.M. Uh, D-Gunn, thanks much for hopping on with us. We'll certainly be watching you on Sunday, Listen to John The Fanatic, uh, D-Gunn, one-on-one. Yeah, everywhere. We know you got 97 platforms. Thanks for coming on our platform today, big guy.
8: Hey, man, thank you for having me on. Always love talking football with you guys. Thanks, D-Gunn.
1: That is Derek Gunn here on Bird's 365. How about McMullen stirring the pot and trying to cause trouble? It's a that's tough not, one. I told that's you. It's not your valley work. Less. I like oh, the sure fact that is. you are. Sure. I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> yeah, man. a little bit. I like that. Uh, all right. John McMullen, Jerry McDonald. We've still got almost 10 minutes left. Come back. A couple more things we'll add to the mix leading into the return of the Philadelphia Eagles from the bye week in playoff position. I got D gun to answer that question about what happens if they don't make it. I'll make John answer it next. Since he's yeah. causing trouble, I'm going to cause trouble for him. Come right back with us here on Birds 365.
4: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half. You could say that.
5: Holy shit. The glass Glasses for cocktails, right?
4: It's for this, 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 and that. disappears.
6: field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you, because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes
7: to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Billy the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
3: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Coming
1: down to stretch here on Bird 365. Thanks for tuning in. We're starting to get prepped for the Washington football team and the Eagles on Sunday. Uh, we got a good week planned for you. <clears throat> coming up here on birds 365 but we gotta put a ball on this show uh first things first let me thank somebody who hit me on twitter who told me that i called uh jack Stoll, brett toss or brett Toth, jack Stoll. i don't know what it is about those two guys but i always get them freaking confused maybe it's the two
2: uh, i thought you were extra lineman as a blocker tight end it could
1: work with Brett uh, Todd. Uh, no, it's just me uh, screwing up the name. So uh, somebody corrected me on Twitter. Thank you for that. Please do so. I do make mistakes. I know how far-fetched it is, but I do from time to time make, make mistakes. And when I do, feel free to call me on the carpet. All right, uh, J-Mac, I did run this by D-Gun. Get your take on it, too. Expectations. As of last February... The or January, actually, it was, uh, because the Eagles did not make the playoffs, but they were right up bumping it up against February. A week went by. Eagles didn't let Doug Peterson go. four eleven 11 one They're going to keep him. And in an ill-fated meeting between the coach and the owner, and they changed their mind, decided to pull a plug on him. And Jeff Lloyd came out and said, well, we're going to be in a transitional year. Doug was more worried about getting us immediately back on the winning ways and into the playoffs. And we're not sure that's best for the organization. So we're going to go in another direction. So he basically set them up for a rebuilding year, a bridge year, a restructuring year. Use whatever you word you want. He used Transition. Yeah. Well, they got a chance to make the playoffs. And yeah, if you're the seventh seed, it's not uh, competing for a Super Bowl. You're going to have to really get on a roll and get lucky. But making the playoffs is making the playoffs. And it's there for the taking. They control their own destiny. If they don't, in a transitional year, how will the powers that be for the Philadelphia Eagles look to finish to 2021?
2: Um, If they don't make the playoffs, is that what you're saying? Correct. I I think they will be, you know, expectations change uh, gradually. And they're different now. And they do want to make the playoffs now. So I think they'll be disappointed from that perspective. Long-term thinking, I don't think it will change that much. And we, we've talked about this in the past with the Eagles. And, you know, you that seventh seed in the NFC is a little bit of fool's gold. You know, you can convince yourself you're closer than you really are. I think that's the bigger problem if the Eagles went down that route, which I don't think they will be doing You know, you go all the way back to that Jeffrey Lurie uh, press conference when he fired Doug Peterson. I thought it was one of the silliest statements. I've said it numerous times since then. Oh, Doug wants to win games and we're in a different – and all of a sudden he hires a coach, Nick Sirianni, who, as I said, I think has done a a very good job. I think he's the best rookie coach in this league. I've said that pretty consistently as we've gotten later in the season – And, oh, by the way, what does he say every week? I'm just trying to win a football game. That's what football coaches do. They try to win games. So that was silly. Um, You know, and that's – it's probably the most difficult part of being a NFL or a sports executive. And you, you know, had a dad that was a a sports executive for many, many years. To be honest with yourself about your team – is one of the most difficult things to do. I think the Eagles understand they have a chance to make the playoffs, but long-term they got to make a lot of tough decisions. And I don't think it's going to change anything all that much, but they want to make the playoffs, and they're going to be disappointed
1: if they don't. Right, and we uh, are giving Nick Sirianni very much passing grades as of right now. If he's got a chance to win a playoff spot and he doesn't, I'm not suggesting he's on any kind of a hot seat or whatever, but it will probably change the way we look at this season because you are so right. The one thing that you stated, which I, from time to time, I think Eagle fans don't get enough of expectations change. That That's the world of sports. You can have your preseason expectations. And then as the season goes, All those expectations change. You can't look back and go, oh, it was a transitional year. It was a transitional year until it wasn't. And then it became a, we can make the playoff year. And if you don't, yeah, that stings a little bit. I'm not suggesting there will be massive changes. Well, and I
2: go back to 538.com, Jody. Today, as we stand here today, their prediction is the Eagles have the best chance to be the seventh seed in the NFC. So expectations change. You have the, the inside uh uh lane so to speak and if you don't finish it it's it's a little disappointing. 38 isn't 90, percent but right. it's better than everybody else.
1: And everybody else. All right. So we'll get that much more into it tomorrow. Um gonna have a fun guest. I, I don't know if you're a uh, fan. Tommy Lawler is a guy who's been writing about the birds for years. He's doing it these days for egoblitz.com. I read a couple of his pieces this year. They've been pretty damn good. Uh, I didn't know Tommy, but I've been appreciative of his work. And a friend put him in, uh, put me in contact with him. Um, good guy. He's got a different point of view. He's not a Philadelphian. He writes from out of town about the Eagles. Uh, I think you'll enjoy him tomorrow. He's going to join us tomorrow. We're working on a uh, second guest, so you don't have to go down to the uh, Wells. What are you going? Right back to decorations.
2: Um. Yeah. Maybe. Now I got to get get back to work gotta get back to heavy heavy lifting okay
1: today jody gotta to do some writing all right stay is the desk set anybody screw with the desk
2: uh nobody screwed with the desk but i don't write on this desk
1: because i bang my head on it too much so i have a, I have a second desk uh go go get to your second guest uh desk and we'll get back here in 22 hours catch you tomorrow everybody everybody have a good monday be back here like on share Burge. and subscribe Got to get that in. What did what, you say? Like, Can you repeat share, that, please? Like, share,
2: and subscribe. One more Jacob time? Me. Like, share, and subscribe. We get
3: them all in. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.
5: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?